This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning, and thank you for taking time out of your busy weekend schedule to join me for the 18th episode of Go To Grandma. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and we're a magazine-style format show targeted to today's grandparents or wannabe grandparents. And come on, who doesn't want to be cool like us? I have two grandsons, Owen and Cam, aged two years and six months. I'm fairly new at this grandparenting gig, and I'm having a blast learning about everything we need to know and sharing it with you from a great selection of experts and notable Canadian grandparents. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts if you've missed any of our great content on the radio. Today's show is going to be fun and informative, our two key pillars. First up, if you follow the Canadian wine scene, you know Natalie McLean. Natalie is going to give us some advice on what wines we want to be pulling out during our family holiday get-togethers. Something for everyone. When you think of a ukulele, do you think of Tiny Tim? Just me? Cynthia Kunenen will come to mind for you after our segment today. She's a music educator who believes in the power of music and learning to bring family bonds closer together. In fact, she's done the research on it. We hear about the new Kobo Sage e-reader, which not only allows you to make notes in an e-book, but you can use it to listen to Kobo audiobooks as well. New technology is always fun to hear about. And our Take 5 with RBC series also goes high-tech as we talk about MyDo, a smart cash card which will help your grandkids learn and practice money management. Grab your coffee or your morning wine if you're that way inclined and stay tuned for a great half hour. I'm Kathy Buckworth and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Natalie McLean offers popular online wine and food pairing courses at nataliemclean.com. She's the host of Unreserved Wine Talk, selected as one of the best drinks podcast by the New York Times. Both of her books, Red, White, and Drunk All Over, A Wine-Soaked Journey from Grape to Glass, and Unquenchable, A Tipsy Quest for the World's Best Bargain Wines, were selected as an Amazon Best Books of the Year. She's the wine expert on CTV's The Social, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. Natalie was named the world's best drinks journalist at the World Food Media Awards and has won four James Beard Foundation Journalism Awards. Good morning, Natalie McLean. 7.30 in the morning. What a great time to talk about wine. <laughs> Absolutely. It's never too early. The breakfast of champions, Kathy. I, I am with you. I am with you on this. And we're obviously heading into a season where we are going to be tasting a lot of new wines, sampling some wines, sharing some wines. So I'm going to walk through a few holiday scenarios that maybe you can help me out with. Great. Okay, so first of all, wine at the big event at Christmas dinner. Typically, we might be having turkey or ham. Does that matter? What types of wines would you suggest, pardon me, for a Christmas dinner? All right, so if you're serving the big bird, (laughs) turkey tends to be a bit of a drier Mm -hmm. meat than, say, roast chicken or other poultry. So you want to moisten the bird. And so I suggest mouthwatering juicy wines. So you might start with a bubbly anyway as a toast Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the meal, but that's also going to work well with turkey. So specifically, I'd recommend Peller Estate Cuvée Ice Wine. It's a sparkling rosé from Niagara or Grey Monk Odyssey Rosé sparkling from BC. So kind of in our backyard to start with. And also both of those wineries, all Canadian wineries, 
essentially now ship directly to your home. So you're supporting a local business, whether it's, you know, across the country Mm -hmm. and getting a nice festive bubbly for your dinner. I'd also suggest a few other wines, maybe a Riesling from Germany, like Relax Riesling. I love the name of that. It's something (laughs) we all need around the holidays. Yeah, exactly. La Crema Pinot Noir from California. And then if you want visions of sugar plums dancing in your head, go back to Niagara for Rife or Riverview Ice Wine. Wow, those are and you're right about ordering and having it delivered to your door. I'm in Mississauga, so from Niagara, it's not so far, and I've had many delivered to my front door. Uh, many, <laughs> uh, let me yes. tell you. So well, it's a great thing to support during the holidays because it is literally our our highest value add grassroots industry. It supports so many jobs and spin off industries when you buy Canadian wine. And then we get to drink it. (laughs) Exactly. And feel good about it. (laughs) It's a win-win. So speaking Uh about feeling good about it, I am going to have a very tiny cocktail party. I've got air purifiers. Everyone has to be vaccinated, etc. But I am having a cocktail party. So what types of wines can I incorporate into like cocktails or just serving as, you know, aperitifs at that type of situation? Sure. So cocktail parties, it's always great to have some bubbly. So the two I mentioned already would work. Or try maybe a Prosecco from Italy. That's Mm -hmm. a sparkling wine. Uh, La Marca is a great one. They have like a regular and a rosé. It's less than $15, so it's great value. Santa Margarita Pinot Grigio, something mouthwatering, not too heavy on the oak alcohol. Or Ladybug Rosé from Niagara is beautiful. If you're serving little meaty hors d'oeuvres, then I would get maybe a more full body but still smooth red like Wakefield Shiraz from Australia. Essentially, you're looking for wines that, you know, aren't too heavy Mm -hmm. uh, because people are going to be sipping throughout. And that will go with whatever nibbles you're serving, whether it's cheese or other types of hors d'oeuvres. That's a great point. We think about the foods we're going to eat at bigger meals and what type of wine we would serve. But I haven't given as much thought to the appetizer side of that as well. Exactly. So you don't want anything that's going to clobber your delicate little pate or whatever you're serving. So nothing too big and bulking. Right, exactly. So maybe I'm getting invited out to a cocktail party or I have people on my list that I know would appreciate a good wine. What are some of the top wines you're suggesting for this year? Maybe start with sort of, well, I know that person, but I don't want to spend a ton, all the way up to what is a really nice wine that I could gift a special friend with. Exactly. So when you want to pour like Santa, but save like Scrooge, I gotcha. Um, (laughs) So gift wines, I do think bubbly is kind of the universal wine of celebration and the Lamarck I mentioned is less than $15. But if you want to scale up and go fancy, Veuve Clicquot Champagne from France is mm-hmm. a beautiful bottle for this time of year. It depends, again, on your budget and to mm-hmm. whom you are giving it. But I find sparkling wine kind of is great when you don't know a person's taste mm-hmm. um, because of that celebratory factor. And then I would go with, beyond that, switch hitter wines. So Pinot Noir or Riesling appeals to many palates. Again, if you don't know their taste, some of the ones that I've already mentioned, maybe one from 30 Bench in Niagara. And what makes a gift wine special, if you can, if you're visiting the wineries, get the winemaker to sign the bottle or get a case and get them all signed so that when you give them these gifts, yeah, it's got a little extra touch. Another thing you might pick up on is give them a bottle based on their origin story. So maybe the couple met in California or their first apartment was there or they got married there or whatever. So Conundrum is a red and a white blend from California is wonderful. And then you don't have to debate uh, the wine anymore. You're no longer in that conundrum. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm biased, of course, Kathy, but I believe wine is 
the ultimate gift, no matter what mm-hmm. you choose, I, I think. So you can relax about it because one size fits all, unlike sweaters. Doubles are fine. <laughs> Doubles are fine. It's easy to re-gift. You can be very sneaky about that. And it doesn't add to your clutter because you're going to consume the gift. I love all of that. And what I also love is that if our listeners go to nataliemcleancom slash grandma, they can pick up a free food and wine pairing guide. Thank you so much for being on this morning, Natalie. And cheers. It's my pleasure, Kathy. Have a great holiday season. You too. Cheers. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Cynthia Kanunen is a passionate music educator and community musician. Cynthia runs a private music studio, ukulele and piano, teaches ukulele group classes and workshops locally and internationally, leads the Royal City Ukulele Ensemble Adult Learning Program, and is director of the Royal City Uke Fest in Guelph, Ontario. She's a sessional lecturer at the University of Guelph and recently completed her master's in community music at Wilfrid Laurier University. She's also a mom of three teenagers, her most important role. Good morning, Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So you are probably the only professional ukulele player that I know, and I'm so pleased that I do. Um, And you've done not just the art side of your brain, but you also work on the educational and the research side of your brain, obviously. So what is it that makes music such a great activity? Well, you know, there are so many things about music and music making, especially, is where sort of my interests lie. We all know that we have music in our in our lives in a listening capacity, and there's great benefits to that, too. But making music itself, I mean, there's, there's so many studies now that tell us uh, all of the different kinds of benefits from cognitive functioning improvement and memory improvement to building empathy and, you know, moderating our emotions and just helping us be healthier people and, and more social people. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from with my sort of uh, love for music education and just generally making music in our lives. So, And you've done research around music making, actually bringing people together. How have you seen this in families or with, with grandparents, either in your research or in your own work? Yeah, I've been really fortunate in my own teaching and my research. Uh, I've seen a lot of it. And um, my research interests in particular have been around um, social connection and identity and agency in adults, um, specifically with ukulele as an instrument. And there's lots of reasons for that. But um, I've seen that there's a real sense of community that grows within these groups and also the growth that happens within individuals. There's an aspect of sort of vulnerability when people come together to make music later in life, especially if they've never learned before or it's been a really long time since they've played. So the act of making music itself, you know, releasing all those great chemicals really um, helps us become more comfortable with discomfort and builds cooperation and all these great things. So I've seen a lot of that happening. I've actually I was trying to think of some examples to share with you. And immediately I thought of a couple, um, you know, in pre-times, pre-pandemic times, um, I would run a lot of classes here in Guelph um, at a local pub. And um, and it was was sort of geared to adults, but then people would start saying, can I bring my tween or my teen along? And I'm like, absolutely. And they would come and they would, they would make music together and learn together. And they would report back to me later and say how much fun it was to make music together at home and have this sort of common language that they shared that they maybe wouldn't have in other activities the same way. And then especially I was thinking of, you know, most recently I have a 
uh, one family that I work with, which is um, a grandmother that started coming out to these classes at the pub too here in Guelph and brought her sister and, and her adult children into the fold. And they're in different places geographically. So we started doing online lessons together as a family during the pandemic. And then her grandchildren now are in the fray and I teach them online too. And they get together and they make music um, online together. They make music when they're together in person now. And uh, it's really just kind of a wonderful thing. You know, they, you know, she's teaching her grandsons Elvis tunes and he's teaching her, you know, whatever, 21 pilots or whatever it is. So there's, it's just this really wonderful opportunity, I think, for connection across the generations in, in a really wonderful way. That is so cool. And the fact now you're right, you have to do a lot of it online. I'm sure that in, in person is great, but what a great way to bring families together, you know, who mm-hmm. are apart across the country. What's the youngest you would have in one of your classes? Well, so generally, well, and again, this is coming from the perspective of ukulele, which is what yep. I teach um, mostly. And um, I would say I've, I've had kids as young as sort of five, you know, That's five, great. six. They, you want to have a little bit of uh, dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, any age can, can strum and have some fun with the instrument. But if you really want to get into sort of playing some tunes and interacting, we usually kind of advise sort of age seven and eight kind of as okay. a starting point. Um, that's a great age for for picking up the ukulele in particular. And up to age 99, of course, like right there. Uh, yeah, or 109, <laughs> I don't know. 109, exactly. Um, so Christmas is coming. And a lot of us, I think, are looking this year in particular for sort of more experiential gifts, if I can say that, because we've been denied that for the last little while. So what kinds of things would we consider when giving the gift of music this holiday season? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, anytime is great to give the gift of music, in my opinion, but um, the holidays are sort of unique in that it's a great time to make music together because we have this sort of common repertoire that people are willing to jump into. I mean, you know, other parts of the the year, you might not be as willing to have a sing-along of children's tunes, but, you know, you're happy to sing Frosty the Snowman together this time of year. So, of course, I think it's a great opportunity for the holidays. And you know, I kind of was giving some thought to what I would advise. And, you know, the things you want to think about are like how old the recipient is, you know, choosing an accessible instrument for that for that person. And then, of course, that, like you say, the experiential aspect. So it doesn't just sit in the box. And um, this is where giving music along with sort of maybe a set of lessons mm-hmm. or group classes or, um, you know, packaging it somehow. And, you know, there's lots of different things you can do, especially with, again, I'm always coming at, from it right now with this ukulele sort of perspective, but it could work with any instrument but you know you could buy so like I said lessons or classes there's they could do that in person hopefully a little bit more and more now mm-hmm. but there's lots of online learning spaces too and you know like with ukulele in particular there's James Hill's Utropolis.com, a great example for self-directed learning and Sarah Maisel and Craig Cheese Artist Works I think Artist Works actually has quite a few um, different instruments in their mix so you know, things like that and, and joint lessons, even if you wanted to do something yeah. customized like I do with these families that I teach, it's really a lot of fun because then you can work with them on the repertoire they want to do. And we do recordings, too. We've been doing that in online. So they'll each send me their parts and I'll put it together Very and they cool. have a whole, you know, experience that way. So, yeah, there's so- there's lots of fun things we can do. And I'm going to go to CynthiaKmusic.com if I want to look at some lessons and some experiences because that's where we can find you. And we can also find you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at CynthiaKmusic8 on Twitter and Instagram and CynthiaKmusic on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, Cynthia. That was a great conversation. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Cynthia. Take care. Gaurav Kapoor is the CEO and co-founder of MyDo, a family banking app to help parents raise money-smart kids. 
He is passionate about building impact-driven businesses and changing the way people think about and deal with money. In 2017, Guarov joined RBC Ventures as a general manager leading the product portfolio of Consumer Ventures. Previously, he led the innovation product group at RBC, where he built the first AI-based fully automated savings product and personalized digital financial insight. He is also an advisory board member of the Rotman Finance Association. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. You are a busy guy. Holy smokes. And this new app that you've developed, I am so in love with. I'm a big believer in money management and financial literacy for kids and certainly did it with my own kids. What is MyDo and why did you start it? Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to share. Even before I get into MyDo, I'll probably just, just kind of speak to the problem uh, of, of the background just to add a bit more context. Uh, I hope that works. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, generally, like money management is an important skill, uh, but it isn't really something that you're taught. You actually learn through hard experiences. Now, when it comes to kids, Parents usually find themselves responsible for teaching them about money. I have kids, and, and I understand that parents are already stressed, and this is usually low on their priority. And <laughs> even if they try, like not all the parents have the discipline or the know-how to teach the value of money. Now, on the other hand, kids, especially those in their formative years, when they become independent and, and find it, they find it challenging to take money decisions, like do I save, do I spend, invest, borrow, crypto, uh, but, but these, these decisions can be made easily and this problem can be solved. And, and my own inspiration to create Mido generally came from my own experiences. Like as a kid, I used to, I used to get three bucks every, every month from my dad and, uh, and I started saving the majority of it and, and it was always rewarded. It was like an accomplishment. Absolutely. And, and, and when I started really earning on my, my own money, the saving instinct was already hardwired. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that kind of became a habit. But, but now when we see the 10 to 15-year-old kids who are starting to get money through allowance or part-time jobs, they usually offer the products which are built for adults and hardly there's any customization. And they usually get a debit card and which can't always be used for online purchases, and they're reliant on payments for the credit card. And, and that, that was the kind of the main trigger why we built Mido. So walk me through Mido. I've been on the app. It's great. But you tell us what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Mido is a modern and innovative platform that helps parents raise money-smart kids. And, and like, kids get a bit of financial independence in their early years, and they get their first card that they're very proud of, and... Parents get a platform uh, to teach their kids value of money, and, and honestly, like they get peace of mind since the app offers uh, favorable visibility and transparency. And how it works is it's a fairly simple app. It's an app available on both iOS and Android and uh, available to clients of any bank. With the same app, kids and parents get two different customized experiences. So parents first join the app and they can invite the kid and can assign tasks, chores, allowance. And when kids sign up, they get a virtual card in real time, and then we ship a uh, physical card to them too. Mm-hmm. And additionally, like, there are a ton of fun features uh, in the app. 
like reacting with emoticons, uh, weekly paydays, trivias, and many more. Yeah, I like, you know, I could assign mow the lawn and, you know, put a date on it too and assign a value to it. And then when the kids do that, I get sort of an explanation of that. So it's really a great way for not only learning how to earn, but how to spend because I can track their spending with this app as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, those are the two key pillars uh, which we have, uh, which we offer through the app and like a full tracking. And as a parent, you also get a lot of control. So not only you, you, you get notified everything that the kids are up to, but in case you need to take any, uh, any, any precaution, uh, you can freeze their uh, card in real time. Through, through your side of the app as well. So like that, those kind of features also really help. So my best advice is for grandparents and parents listening is to go to the MyDo app. It's at mydo.ca. We can also find all kinds of updates on social media uh, at MyDo app. And that is really, to walk through it that way, it's so visual. There's some gaming to it. There's spending, there's earning. Thank you so much for introducing this to all of us. And thanks so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. I'm joined now by Zach Sendor-Kerr, who is the director of Audiobooks Growth. Good morning, Zach. Good morning. I am a huge Kobo fan, so I'm very excited to talk to you today about audiobooks. And, you know, a lot of us consider reading to be reading on the page, but audiobooks are huge and they are growing. So who are audiobooks mostly for? What's your opinion on that? Oh, my gosh. Audiobooks are for everyone. So at Kobo, we're on this mission to make people's reading lives better. Mm -hmm. And I think audiobooks play a big role in that. They're for anyone who wants to fit more reading into their lives. Perfect when you're doing things like tidying up around the house or on a drive or walking the dog. For me, I love listening when I'm in the garden and when I'm painting. Yeah, absolutely. I love listening when I'm walking my grandson in his stroller. For sure. It's wonderful. So what are the benefits of listening? Well, there's been a lot of research actually in, uh, in audiobooks that reading and listening um, actually fire the same kind of parts of the brain. So the benefits are that you get to enjoy stories and, and audiobooks can help make reading more accessible and pleasurable. And, you know, whether that's for someone who's got dyslexia or ADHD or just has trouble sitting down with a print book mm-hmm. or even people with, you know, visual impairments or whose eyesight isn't quite what it used to be. You know, I love that audiobooks just connect us and allow people to maybe rediscover a joy of reading or, you know, find it for the first time. And it really, I think, another thing that I love is that it connects us to this history of spoken word storytelling, um, which is how we've always been communicating and sharing information. I have to admit that I've listened to some audiobooks read by the authors that perhaps I wouldn't have read on the page, if you know what I mean, but they make it come to life when you're listening to it. Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, sometimes, like, the memoirs are especially Mm -hmm. great at, you know, hearing the author's voice and really just kind of connecting with them. Um, I love listening to author-narrated and and especially memoirs that are uh, read by the author. Yeah, I recently listened to Jane Fonda's, and I listened to Lyndon McIntyre's. Oh, amazing. Amazing. So let's talk about grandparents. And this is, I assume, a a large part of your market. Are you finding that they're reading or listening with their grandkids? Is that something you hear? Yeah, definitely. You know, I would say that uh, I can speak for myself. I've got three kids. 
And um, we're a family of readers and listeners. My kids are six and five and two, mm-hmm. and they love being told stories. And their grandparents will spoil them with books and read for hours and have, you know, really special uh, reading time. And then we add audiobook listening as part of the mix. Like they'll, you know, we'll put on a, an audiobook while they're drawing at the table or playing Lego. And I just find that it just helps keep them engrossed and engaged. And, and it's super fun to watch how they invariably weave the story that they're listening to into their play. So right now, they're, you know, they're all about Minecraft and, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, and the, the How to Train Your Dragon audiobook series. And they have a lot of fun. Nice. So when I'm listening to an audiobook, typically I'm doing it on my phone or something like that. But you have a new e-reader called the Kobo Sage that I can actually listen to audiobooks through. I'm excited about this. Yes, this is a really new development. Um, our two new audiobook-enabled e-readers just came out, the Sage and the Kobo Libra 2. You pair the uh, e-reader up with Bluetooth headphones or a Bluetooth speaker, and yeah, you can play uh, your audiobooks. And it's really a great, like, simple user interface. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really straightforward to use and get into. And, you know, it's, uh, I would also say that one of my, the best ways to get into audiobook listening is with a subscription mm-hmm. because audiobooks can be a little bit pricey on the, you know, $30, $35 range if you're just buying uh, off the shelf. But we offer an audiobook subscription where you pay uh, like a flat rate for $12.99 each month and you get a credit, which you can trade in for any audio- audiobook no matter what the price is. So it's just like an awesome way to save money and get that like monthly cadence of reading in. And the best part is the first month is free. So you can try it out and see if audiobooks are for you. And I, and they're going to be. Trust me. <laughs> they're going to be. <laughs> so I'm going to be uh, listening to my next audiobook. What's your recommendation what I should be listening to next? Oh, my gosh. Well, you mentioned Lyndon McIntyre. Mm-hmm. And if you're into Canadian maritime history, he wrote and narrated this fascinating book called The Wake. That's the one I just listened to. Okay. It's fantastic. It's delightful. It tells the story of uh, of the tsunami that hit Newfoundland's um, Buren Peninsula in 1929. It's just fabulous storytelling. So if, if that's your jam, highly recommend. It was mine. And I hate to leave it there because there's so much more we could talk about. But we can find Kobo on social media. Of course, we can go to Kobo.com for all of our Kobo audiobooks as well as, as e-reader books. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining me today, Zach. Thank you. I think I might try to drink wine and play the ukulele at the same time. Or maybe I could take lessons from both Natalie and Cynthia and do one thing at a time correctly. Although it might not be as much fun. Next week, Chef Andrea Bucket is joining me in studio to talk about some great holiday foods we can prepare for and with our grandkids. And I'm going to share my greatest grandparent gift guide. Suggestions for grandparents this holiday season. Gifts that we can enjoy with our grandkids and other ones we can just enjoy by ourselves. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with a conversation with David Stasi, the founder of Young Alfred, a competitive online insurance marketplace for all U.S. home insurance needs. Perfect for snowbirds with U.S. properties. Thanks for dropping in today. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.